0: Hey leaders, if you're struggling to keep your team engaged, happier, and healthier, then stay tuned and listen up. Hello, Crystal Dacuna here, and I'm thrilled to welcome you to the Leaders Listen Up podcast. I'm your host, and I hope to be your friend. Each week, we equip you with new tools and techniques to drive epic employee and customer experiences that are gonna drive loyalty and retention, and of course, sales and award-winning service in your organization. My friend, we want you to be the people's champion for your team and for your customers. Hey, today's episode is all about revamping your company culture. In my recent travels, you know, we talk so much about this with entrepreneurs. It is one of the biggest struggles. Like, Priscilla, we want to create, a cultivate a culture of success, but how do we do it? You know, as leaders, you know how important it is to have a positive culture. We know how important it is to to maintain and and increase productivity. Uh, And we know how important it is to keep our team happy and healthy and retain top talent. But the question is, how do we do that? What are the strategic steps we need to do to be able to cultivate a culture of success and keep that positive uh, environment and keep our people happy so they stay, right? People don't leave uh, companies. They leave people. So we want to be able to make sure that the entire team is cultivating a culture of success. And so um, if this is something that is, you're struggling with as a leader, you want to create happier, healthier workplaces, then hey, leaders, listen up and let's dive in. Okay, so first let's take a look at why company culture matters so much. You see, a stronger company culture leads to better employee engagement, higher productivity improved retention rates, and not just retention rates for your team, but also for your customers, right? According to a study done by Deloitte, 94% of executives and 88% of employees believe a distinct workplace culture is important to business success. And I don't just mean, you know, one, a culture that's happening by default, but a distinct company culture, one that's happening by design. And so let's dive into a few game-changing strategies. And so when I look at the game-changing strategies, I've developed five, uh, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about three, and in next week's episode, I'm going to share two more with you just because I wanted to keep it short and simple, uh, and I want you to try to action some of these strategies that I share with you. So uh, out of the three that we're going to talk about today, please take notes because I want you to pick just one uh, that you're going to start to take some action on. This is what this podcast is all about. I love that you're here. I love that you're watching You're listening. But my friend, I want you to take some action, and I'm here to help you with that. So uh, listen up. We're going to dive into three of the five game-changing strategies. And so first, the strategy is to lead by example. Hey, it's not new news. It's not something you've never heard before. But as a leader, your behavior sets the tone for your team. So there's a study done by the Harvard Business Review found that leaders that exhibit positive behaviors create a more positive workplace culture. And we know, you know, I don't know that we even need a study to tell us that because if you're a leader and you're, you know, designing a culture that cultivates success and if you are bringing that positive example to the table every day, I mean, of course you're going to have a better, happier environment, right? And so when we take a look at that first strategy, leading by example, as a leader, your behavior sets the tone for the entire team. You want a positive culture, my friend. You as a leader have to exhibit those positive behaviors. You know, I want you to think about what positive really looks like. Is it waking up happy and smiley every day? Hey, maybe you work in an organization where happy and smiley is every day isn't the, the feeling that you want. You know, we work with an organization um, that is in the funeral business and coming to work, you know, over the moon. It's is certainly not what's going to, you know, cultivate a culture of success in that environment. It's a, a very different demeanor. Um, but positive is from the inside up so that you've got that can-do attitude you've got you're practicing and you're leading by example in your communication whether it's your verbal communication your body language and your facial expressions perhaps it's your email communication Um, you know it's just making sure that you're leading by example however you want your team to show up are you communicating and connecting in that same way you know when we're talking about leading by example there's three areas I look at it's of course you know it's, it's making sure that you're practicing that positive behavior, but it's also being open to feedback. If we want our teams to be open to feedback, then we have to be open to feedback. It's also about practicing active listening. And, you know, we're going to dive into that a little bit more, but we want our team to listen properly. We want them to do 80% of the listening and 20% of the talking. And so when we're practicing that active listening, we as leaders have to do that as well. And then the last one is, is, you know, showing empathy towards their team members. These are some of the ways that we can we can really uh, lead by example, is that when we're practicing empathy, when we're uh, listening and, and practicing that active listening and we're open to feedback, it allows us to lead by example and allows them to see us. So I want to share with you, um, you know, a story about my grandfather. So my grandfather, he was a breath of fresh air for me in particular. Uh, he was my example every day in every way, And, um, you know, it's unfortunate I lost him in 2020. And aside from being, you know, a very challenging time for our family, I almost felt like as if he, when he passed, passed the torch on to me. Now, you know, my family members will probably fight over the torch, but for me, um, I felt like he he passed it on to me because he was probably the most, he was absolutely the most positive person I'd ever known in my life. Uh, He was a leader of our family and he preached constantly since I was, you know, I remember 10 years old, and and he was constantly talking about the power of positive thinking. And he used to tell me about the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. And I just thought, you know, oh, it was a book. And even in my teenage years, I didn't really get into it. Um, But after he passed, I read the whole thing cover to cover. I always was aligned with positive thinking, because he always mentioned it. But to be honest with you, I didn't even know it was a book. I thought it was just something he said, uh, until my later years. And so, You know, as an athlete uh, in his younger days, there was a couple of things that he practiced and that he always told me to practice that really aligned with what I'm sharing with you today. Because when he was an athlete, he used to say, you know what, I had to listen to feedback. You know, and even as an adult, he was always open to feedback. In our family restaurants, he always asked us for our opinion. Um, You know, he always took the leadership of his coaches. That was, he was a great leader because he was open to feedback. And so you as a, as a leader, I want you to think of that. You know, are you open to feedback? Because here we are asking our team to take our feedback, yes? We might be coaching them and, and perhaps, you know, helping them, guide them in a certain way. So they need to be open to feedback. And so do we, right? And so that's a, a great example of kind of practicing um, what we preach and leading by example. My grandfather was open to doing things differently, whether it was because, uh, you know, he was engaging us in the family restaurants and we, you know, things sometimes weren't going well and, or sometimes they were going well and he was always asking for feedback, but he wasn't stuck in his way. He was always adaptable and willing to change because he was open to feedback, right? He was open to listening. And um, and I think that adaptability is what kept him so successful in so many of the, the ventures that he did. He was always really good at active listening. Hey, he talked a lot too, but, Active listening is something that he practiced. There was never a time in my life where I could remember that my grandfather wasn't listening to me. If I said something, he was always like body language was straight at me. His eyes were straight to me. And, uh, you know, he nodded his head or he said something, but he was always listening. Right? And he wasn't just listening to hear. He was really listening to understand because it always surprised me when a couple of days later he would bring that, that item back up. And I think that also is a, a uh, trait of a really g- great sales professional, which, which he absolutely was. So he would bring it up and like almost recycle the information we told him like a week later or whenever, whenever it needed to come up. So um, that was something that I knew that, you know, it, he wasn't just listening to hear, but he was listening to understand. The other thing he was really great at was empathy, right? Empathy is one of those tools when we're trying to lead by example. We have to be empathetic if we want our team to be empathetic. We want our team to be able to practice empathy with our customers and with each other. And if that's the case, then we have to be empathetic to them. He always invited people to talk to him. And he, again, he listened, but he didn't just listen to, to hear them. He listened to understand their story. I remember uh, we had, our family restaurant was in Niagara Falls, and he would be walking up and down Niagara Falls, handing out flyers, which he wasn't supposed to do. Um, but the reason he took, one of the reasons we always had a lineup at our restaurant, because he didn't just hand out the flyers, he handed the flyers out, he had a conversation with people, he told them about our family story, he asked about their family story, when they showed up at the door, they were like ready to, you know, oh, Mr. Massey told us to come in tonight, we're the Smith family, or whoever, whoever they were, and he had already told us about them, he told us where they were coming from, or where they were visiting, it was a whole family, make sure we have a table, and so Five o'clock would run around, and almost every table was reserved. And that was the first seating, and you know the lineup just kept going, kept going, kept going because he knew people. He was listening to their stories. He was listening uh to you know what was important to them. And so I guess that kind of goes to active listening, but also empathy because when it comes to to the the depth in which he listened to, he wasn't just hearing their stories, but he knew everything about them in a couple of minutes. And I think empathy is one of those things where. We have to be able to put ourselves in a place where um, that other person is. And so often in some of the stories that he would tell us is, you know, oh, they've got kids and they can't find anywhere to have Indian food. And I'm so glad I found them. And make sure you have an extra, you know, seat for the kids because they mentioned that that was something that was important for them. And um, make sure you give them extra napkins. Like he was, we were ready before they even got there, right? And so um, in your context, when you take empathy into your work environment, Think about that as well. Is there things that you know that your team needs before maybe they even know they need it themselves, right? Because you've been listening, because you've been having those conversations with them, uh, perhaps there's some things that you can do to be able to create a better environment for them and to be able to match that feeling. You might not be feeling exactly what they're feeling, but you know uh, how it is to feel that way, right? Maybe they're frustrated or struggling with something. Maybe you're not but you remember a time when you were frustrated and struggling and what are some of the things that you could do to create a better environment for your team leaders. That's tip. Number one is lead by example. If you want your team to be more engaged with your customers, ask yourself, do you lead by example? Are you engaged with your customers? Do they see how important it is for you to be able to have those conversations with your customers? Do they see how important it is for you to have empathy with your customers and with your team? Um, for you to listen to feedback from that front from that customer that you're talking to That training is priceless. We can train our staff as much as we want on customer service and sales and and all the other things that they have to do and hey, I'm a trainer. I love that um, But the most powerful training is when they see you a leader doing things that you know maybe they didn't know that you do right and so all of a sudden you're leading by example and that price that that training is absolutely priceless All right, what do you say we dive into strategy number two? Strategy, my friend, is to be able to encourage employee engagement. Hey, a positive culture is one where employees feel heard. Yes, yes, yes. They feel heard and valued. Uh, There was a Gallup study done, actually, that talked about employee engagement. It says engaged employees are 21% more productive than their disengaged peers. Hey, I don't know about you, but 21% more productive is something I would take any day. Right? And so how do we create that engagement with our, with our team? And so I'll share a few tips with you. You know, you want to be able to encourage your team to share their ideas, share their concerns, and share their feedback, right? We talked about number one is leading by example and listening to feedback. We want to make sure that we're asking for feedback. So take the time to really acknowledge their contribution and implement uh, opportunities for them to be able to make suggestions whenever possible. When I think of employee engagement, right away, the story that comes to mind uh, is a story of um, one of my trips to India. And so a few years back, my son, Zariq and his best friend, James, and I, uh, and a few of other of our family members, we all took a trip to India, and it was fantastic. We spent eight days, uh, sorry, eight cities in 30 days, and we just had the most spectacular time. But the story that stands out the most is this time where we went to Hil- the Hilton Hotel in Jaipur, India. And uh, Jaipur is also known as the Pink City. It's the most stunning, most beautiful city uh, probably I've seen in it. Actually, every every city is pretty beautiful, but it was one of my favorites. Um, And, hey, I've had the opportunity to stay in Hilton's and Marriott's and Four Seasons and and, and some of the most amazing hotels across the world, Um, but this particular hotel created a memory for me that will last a lifetime. You know, I've been blessed to have some really amazing experiences, but this particular Uh, story sticks with me because not only did they um, create a memory for me but they create a memory for my son and his friend and so you know we call I called them when we were driving to Jaipur we had had a bus of us and um, it was really late It was like one o'clock in the morning and we were running behind and so I called the hotel and I said you know we should be there by 2 a.m. Uh, just so you know, we're still on the road. And the gentleman said, absolutely, Mr. Kuna, we're ready for you. We can't wait to see you. Um, please be safe, and uh, we'll see you when you get here. And um, and so I thought, okay, that was really nice. Just the way they greeted me on the phone was really nice. And it was 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was still a lovely greeting. Um, so we get there, and it's in the middle of the night. We're all tired. Uh, there were was, was three of us, but then my aunt and uncle were with us. And so there was, I think there was about 11 of us all together. And we pull up to the hotel, and right at the front door, there's two gentlemen standing in beautiful white garb with the turbans on and at attention, ready to greet us at 2 o'clock in the morning. And we're all waking up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so nice. They're just standing, ready to, to greet us. And uh, and when we got there, they opened the doors, and they said, welcome, Mr. Kuna. Welcome, Mr. Missy. My uncle was with us. You know, welcome, welcome, welcome. But they greet us by name and it was just like, whoa, like how awesome was that? We've never stayed there before. And right away, uh, a gentleman took my aunt and my uncle and their family and another gentleman took me and, and Zariq and James and said, please follow me. We know you must be tired. Please follow me. So they took our bag um, and instead of going to check out, at, check at the front desk, you know how we normally do here in the Western world, we'd go to the front desk, give them our credit card, do all that stuff. They said, no, it's all been taken care of. Just follow me. And my, the gentleman, the host, I'll call him the host, he walked backwards into the elevator with us and took us right into the elevator and said, how was your trip? How are you feeling? You know, how, you must be tired. Tell us." Like, he was just making great conversation, just soft. And his voice was perfect for what we needed at that moment. Um, he just connected with us. And I just noticed that he always walked backwards, which is a really, you know, nice thing. He never had his back to us. And so we get to the um, room door and, you know, it makes sense that he didn't, we don't have to go check in at the desk with our ID and stuff because I'd already given my ID with the booking online. And he just asked me to sign as I was going into the front of the room. He just said, could you please sign here? You know, everything's been taken care of on your credit card. I said, perfect. So I signed. Uh, He had it printed and ready for me. It was just so convenient. That alone I was like amazed with. It was so convenient. But we opened the doors and they had, com- they had upgraded us complimentary. I have no idea why, but I appreciate it. It was a stunning room. And on the room, on the beds, they had a pillow on each bed. One had Mr. James engraved on the pillow and the other one had Mr. Zurich uh, engraved on the pillow. And then at the bottom of the bed, they took long pieces of grass and they wrote out, welcome to Jaipur, and there was an arrow pointing, like they wrote it out in grass, and then there was an arrow pointing to this cake, and the cake was a beautiful chocolate cake, and it said, welcome to the pink city. And there was a little card beside the cake saying, we're so sorry, we know you must be hungry, but our restaurant is closed, we've taken the liberty to put a few sandwiches and snacks in the fridge for you, please go ahead and enjoy um, and when we cut into the cake, and I took a picture, I have a picture of this, I'll find it somewhere. But I, when I took a picture of the cake, the boys had already cut into it, and it was pink on the inside. And okay, so that was really special, and, you know, the boys are all excited about it. And I walk into the bathroom, after the gentleman leaves, I walk into the bathroom, and the tub is filled with hot water, hot water, with rose petals, and a little bottle of sparkling water with a cup, saying, you must be tired, please rest and relax. I don't know at two o'clock in the morning that I was going to do that, but it was so beautiful and so kind of them to think. So so while we were checking in, somebody was filling up that tub with boiling hot water. Like how amazing was that? Right. And so I want you to think about this, if money or time was no object, you know, what would you do to create an amazing experience for your customers? When I asked them afterwards, after, you know, the experience, I recorded it all. And I was so I was just bored. I had no idea how they knew Zarek's name or James's name. I didn't register them. Um, They must have followed me on Facebook and they must have followed me on social uh, to be able to find their names. But I have no idea how they did it. It doesn't matter because it was just so exceptional. But what was really cool was when I spoke to them afterwards, I said, said, oh, can I speak to the manager? Oh, the manager's off for two weeks. I said, oh. I said, so who, who orchestrated the whole thing? Oh, our team just got together. You were coming in late and we had some more time and we thought we'd do some things to make it special for you. That's engaged employees. That's employee engagement, where nobody told them what to do or how to do it. I had a whole conversation with one of the hostesses afterwards and said, you know, what? How did you? Well, every we try to make every every visit special. So fast forward a couple of days later, when we were leaving the hotel, as we were leaving the hotel, they created another experience for us. They had a toll player. Anybody that knows Indian music, a toll player is like a big drum, um, and so they had a toll player playing us like as a you know, goodbye, like a grand gesture as we were leaving for us to come back. And they had music playing and we started a dance routine in the little parking lot area there. It was just a beautiful send-off. And so it's those little light moments that really allow, allow your team to think of those creative moments. Give your team the space and the opportunity to be engaged, right? Open up those conversations, whether it's in your daily huddle whether it's in your daily meetings or your weekly meetings, allow your team to think of creative ideas and give them the opportunity to be engaged because they have some really fantastic ideas if you just let them. Now, don't always think about the negative ideas, about the things like, well, what are we going to do if this goes wrong or what are we going to do if that goes wrong? Yeah, absolutely. We always need to plan for when things go wrong, but we also want to be able to think about how do we just make that experience from, from expected to exceptional? right? Because we're creating an experience every day in every way for our customers. But what's the difference between this is what I expect for my $99 hotel room, which was what I paid for it. um, And I've got like a, you know, $500,000 experience. Absolutely. But it was a, it was a $99 hotel room. It didn't cost me a lot, but the exceptional experience was something that I will always take with me because their team was so highly engaged in every element of that experience you're getting some good nuggets. I hope you're taking lots of good notes. Let's dive into strategy number three. Strategy number three is all about fostering this growth mindset. You see, a positive culture is one where employees feel empowered to develop and grow. And if we want to encourage them to be engaged, we want to invite them to be able to bring new ideas to the table, then we as leaders have to be able to really cultivate this culture. And there was a LinkedIn study that I saw that said 94% of employees would stay with the company longer if their leadership team invested in their careers and their mindset and in their growth. 94%, my friend. You know, as we look at the the situation we're in now across the globe with, you know, employee retention being a challenge, hiring top talent being a challenge, if 94% of employees would stay with the company longer, if they knew that the company was investing in them as an individual, and the writing's on the wall, right? We need to be able to invest in our people. And it doesn't always mean, uh, you know, grand training training uh, sessions and, and you know how much I love training. Sometimes it's just about the mindset. There's another survey that talked about uh, employees in these particular type of work cultures where, where there is a growth mindset, that 47% of them are more likely to develop great relationships with their colleagues and trusted relationships with their colleagues if they feel like the entire organization has that growth mindset. So what is the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset? You might think you know, but let me share exactly what it is. So a growth mindset is really a belief that you're not limited by inherent traits or abilities, but rather you really have the capacity to grow. So you're, not, you're not stuck in one space. You can look at things a little bit different. You can get outside of the box. You can you can try things you've never tried before. Versus a fixed mindset, which is a belief that you possess a certain set of characteristics like talent or intelligence, that's absolutely unlikely to change. This is what I know and this is this is what I know to be true and that's it. You know, I can't jump that high. I you know, I'll never be that smart. I just never will. If you say that I could try jumping that high there's a strong possibility you might or huh I could probably read that book and learn a little bit more about it there's a strong possibility you might right so growth mindset is that you're not limited you you're able to think a little bit differently and fixed mindset is something where this is it and this is all it's going to ever be and so organizations with a growth mindset understand that an employee's full potential is not immediately parent, right once you hire somebody you've hired them because maybe their personality or their skill set but you have to pull out that mindset to really understand are they a fixed mindset or are they a growth mindset and you know if you're hiring right you're hiring for that growth mindset right you can you can make it even better but somebody has to have that mindset to be able to um, to be able to develop even further you have to be able to, to think little things are possible right? At least something is possible. But it, but organizations that have this, they also know that investing that time and energy into their employees with a high level of enthusiasm and, and willingness to learn can absolutely reap rewards uh, in a major way. And so lead, leaders, consider this one tip when you're talking about, you know, how do you create growth mindset? The one easiest way I always say is one-on-one coaching. And it's probably the one thing that Leaders shy away from the most uh, one-on-one coaching because guess what? It takes time and what leader has extra time. That's the time that's the most valuable for you. If you're a leader working 40, 50 hours a week and you've got a team of, let's say, 10, 20, 30 people, that's manageable if you look at 10, 10 to 20-minute coaching sessions every week or every other week. You need to have that one-on-one time with your, with your team member, one-on-one time to be able to show them you know, how how much opportunity there really is. One of the things I had done uh, in one of my previous organizations that really helped to develop uh, a growth mindset was the idea of developing this cross-company relationship and cross-company learning. And it was developed through one-on-one coaching. So I had one on coaching sessions with my sales team consistently every week, whether they liked it or not, um, and nothing bad was happening. Sometimes these coaching conversations were just really celebration sessions uh, where we, you know, met for twenty minutes and we talked about all the good stuff that they were up to, um, and you know that positive reinforcement developed more good stuff the next week. Um, and I positioned it so that in our coaching sessions, they brought things to me. I wasn't coaching them. I was saying, "Hey, where are you stuck? What can I help with?" And if you're not stuck, that's okay too. Let's just chat, right? So the coaching sessions were always a sessions where I didn't have to tell anybody. You know, I gotta, I gotta do your coaching. They were always coming to me. And it was because they were getting good value out of those coaching sessions. My goal was to be able to give them something, um, you know, make, make that 15, 20 minutes, allow them to be better when they leave those 15, 20 minutes. And sometimes, often, they gave me a lot as well. And so let me bring it back. So the idea of um, cross-company collaboration and cross-company learning came from a coaching session because we were having this challenge where, uh, again and again and again, you know, some team members were getting – conflict between, you know, our sales department and a little bit of our, you know, our our architecture department, our pricing team. Uh, That logical thinking side of the company was having conflict with that, um, you know, that growth mindset, that very emotional side of our company. And so they have, the logical side had to be a little bit fixed mindset because, you know, they're building a house. So in order for them to be successful, every I needed to be dotted, every T needed to be crossed. In our world, in the sales world, we need to be a little more flexible and adaptable because in order to close a sale, it wasn't always black and white. There was a lot of gray area. And so sometimes conflict happened there. And we came about this idea. We were noticing there was one conflict that came up in particular consistently. The reasoning was because we didn't understand why this one thing was so important to that other department. And so what we did was we took uh, two days out of, uh, I think, we got everything done in a month or maybe two months. We did it over a slow period of time. But um, one, we did two full eight hour days where in those eight hour days, so employee number one, we'll call her Jane. Uh, Jane had, uh, I gave I created a, um, a booklet where she could go and interview the manager of every department. So she met with the construction manager for half an hour and said, and the questions were all lined in there. You know, what are your expectations of me? How can I make your department's job easier? Um, here's what my thoughts of what I expected the construction team. Is that right? Is that not right? Uh, it was a great dialogue. So it was about a half an hour. I, maybe I did 45 minutes. I can't remember. But it was between half an hour and 45 minutes where they had one-on-one with the leader of that team. And it created a lot of clarity for the employees because, you know, now they knew the expectation. And now... You know it was a happier, healthier environment. Right away, it was a happier, healthy environment because the the construction team started noticing changes, and we understood why they were asking for it. and And then they did that with every department. they did that from with the president, the vice president, the sales and market, the marketing team, every department of the organization the salespeople met with. And after two solid days of that, um, so it must have been a full hour then, because we went through everybody it was just a whole nother transformation. The company culture pretty much changed overnight because all of a sudden there was this mutual respect. They respected the sales professionals and they were learning a little bit more about the challenges that they were coming up with. And the, the other teams, um, you know, we were able to respect why they needed those eyes uh, dotted in those teams, T's crossed from us. So it was about really making sure that, you know, when we're looking at having that growth mindset, be open to doing things you've never done before. That was something that that organization had never done before. And it was something that allowed us to be able to, everybody to think differently. It opened up our minds so that, you know, those the construction side of the business and the architecture side of the business, they although they needed to be a little fixed-minded, they started becoming a little growth-minded because they were seeing it from our side. They were seeing it from our vision. And although the sales team needed to be growth, had that growth mindset, they were starting to become a little bit of that, they, they engaged that fixed mindset because they understood how important and how valuable it was for, um, for the other parts of the organization. Anyhow, one-on-one coaching is a great um, opportunity for you to develop some, some growth mindset, to be able to have that one-on-one coaching with your team as a leader. Uh, it's so, so imperative to be able to make that shift. Um, and it, it allows you to really shift your perspective. So try that, give it a shot. And, hey, if you can't do every team member, start with, like, five or ten and move on from there. But start one-on-one coaching. If you're not doing it, it's really And If you are doing it, please tell us your successes and your challenges with it because we'd really love to know. Uh, And maybe you've you've learned some ways we can do it even better and share it with us. Those are things we all love to know. So there you have it, my friend, three out of five of the game-changing strategies for revamping your company culture. Tune in next week and I'm gonna share the next two tips with you. I hope that today's session uh, allows you to cultivate a culture of success within your organization, creating a happier, healthier team and company culture. But number one, I want you to pick one thing. So either you're gonna start leading by example, you're gonna start to practice employee engagement or start to think of ways that you can create a growth mindset in the entire organization. Not just a few people, but for the entire organization. So you listen to this episode today. I want you to feel inspired to take action. Pick just one of those three. Next week, I'm going to share a couple more with you. But pick just one of those three and start taking action. And remember, my friends, if you are ready to cultivate that culture of success so that it's a happier, healthier environment, it takes time. It takes a little bit of money and it takes resources. Time, money, and resources are the the things that will help you uh, to put some of these tools that I've shared with you into practice today. Because, you know, we all want to cultivate that culture of success, but it it has to be intentional. We have to stop letting our culture happen by default, yes? It may be happening by default right now, and we have to start making sure that it's happening by design. What exactly do you want it to feel like? And this is a great time to invite your team. Again, engage that team into like, hey, what does it feel like right now? This is what we do with a lot of organizations. We'll have these workshopping sessions. Well, what does it feel like right now? This is a survey that we've got the survey results, but we want you to speak freely. How does the company culture feel right now? And, you know, where do we want it to be? And why is that important? And what do we need to do to get there? And a lot of that is self-awareness. You know, a team member can start to really uh, practice, you know, how am I going to contribute to making sure that it gets there? We want your team member to feel empowered and engaged um, and really a contributor to your culture. Hey, leaders, that's it for today's episode of the Leaders Listen Up podcast. Now, you've got this. You've got to go and take some action. The Leaders Listen Up podcast is where leaders become better leaders. By listening, learning, and actioning. And hey, share. Share your successes and your challenges with us because that's what we would love to hear. Let us know in the comments below or let us know in a review uh, how this episode helped you. And subscribe to make sure you're connected with us on all of our platforms, YouTube, as well as all of the podcast uh, platforms and social media. We look forward to hearing from you and keeping in touch. Have a fantastic day. Bye for now.